I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's two words. You just learned that uh, chainsaw was two words, but kind of doing like a Donald Trump thing where where he's like, you know, a lot of people didn't know this, just saying something that uh, <laughs> that he just learned. So the intro made sense to me because you explained to me that you had just learned this fact. <laughs> I'm thinking it might need some explanation to our listeners. Uh, I thought chainsaw was one word because it's one word. In many of the sequels' titles and in, you know, just sort of colloquial parlance. However, on the title, two words. This movie's credit is two words. Chain saw. I mean, if we're getting really technical, it's credited with four words. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not trying to come here with the factinista. I mean, if you really want to get technical, it should be a chained saw because it's not a saw of chains. It's it's a saw that has a it's, it's been chained. I'm not gonna lie. I feel like we stepped on our month introduction and the movie we're doing. So let's back up where we love to watch. We're a movie podcast. We talk about movies, four of them around a theme, and if we remember, we compare and contrast then them. Then we compare and contrast them. Um, mm-hmm. Peter, it's a new month. New month. I don't know why new I'm saying bo- that new excitedly watch boys. because for this month. To be born out of its placenta, <laughs> the angel opens her eyes. Uh, <laughs> the last. Are we getting? Are we getting a uh, health class at a Catholic uh, junior high right now? Pale blue colored eyes. I don't know. Were you too old? Were you too young for live? I mean, I know. I know of it. I know of the concept of live and live. No, the the song. Uh, <laughs> about the placenta breaking no. down? Okay. No. Lightning crashes. Lightning uh, crashes. In crashes. An old baby cries. I don't think that's the lyric, but uh, <laughs> they're very big. It was a big song. Anyway. So this was a song about, that took place within Pale. the placenta? Uh, yeah. They, Ed Kowalczyk, lead singer of Live, really buried deep in the placenta, wrote, a, wrote an entire album called Throwing Copper. Uh, fun fact, copper slang for placenta juices. <laughs> Why is he throwing them? That seems that seems entirely unsterile. Uh, the next album was called Catching Copper. People, <laughs> oh, no. people, people threw that placenta juice right back. It's the worst Gallagher show I've ever oh! do. Catch, catching placenta. Uh, <laughs> catching sense. I mean, that would... I, that makes dollars not, and placenta. Since you're not familiar with live, I gotta tell you, that is very much... Uh, catching placenta could easily be the name of a live song. Because uh, they were very, very... Um, annoying in that way in that like 90s band important way although i was a huge fan of them because only 90s kids will remember what it's like to know about your secret samadhi look it up peter yeah so it's a new month so for this for this placenta baby copper uh to be born 
our our Spooktober month had to die, so we're sad about that. But we're keeping the horror train going. Choo choo! Ah! It's more like choo choo. Oh, see, I was doing choo choo! Ah! Like someone got hit by the train. Oh my god, that that is yeah. scary. To be hit by a train is the greatest spook of all. Yep. Oh wait, let's. I'll tell you what. Let's compromise. We're a team. You got hit by a ghost train. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that the soul train was literally a soul train? You think it was, like, made of corporeal souls? Yeah! Oh, yeah. Terrifying. Since uh, the next Spooktober, I will be watching 900 hours of soul Every train. episode of Soul Train that's on YouTube. <laughs> looking for ghosts. <laughs> looking for ghosts in all the wrong places. Uh, <laughs> Peter, what is what the fuck is this month? This month is the family that eats together. This is entirely a month based in cannibal family films. And we're Well, wait, hold on. Hold on. (laughs) I think you put the (laughs) enunciation on the wrong word. Um, It's not so much cannibal family films. It's more cannibal family films. Well, Toby Hooper was trying to get this movie rated PG, so it also was intended to be a family film, clearly. (laughs) How many cannibal movies do you think are rated PG and under? Um, the witches is they're probably cannibals, right? No, nah, they don't. I don't remember them eating. Well, I guess I, you know what you may have served me. I may have just got served because I hope saying, serves you as a meal. As uh, so I'm saying, we use all the time on the show. Uh, because because there is a lot of like in uh, fairy tale literature trying to eat children, mm-hmm. like Hansel and Gretel and stuff. So. You may have you may have got me. I may have been lifted by my own petard. Yeah, my own you know petard. What, uh, your own petard. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it, sometimes there's there's a treat, which is getting to listen to us two goofs talk about movies. And sometimes there's a trick, like you getting tricked by not knowing something. <laughs> yep, <laughs> this was this was the trick. Uh, Peter, what what movie are we doing? We kind of. Spoiler. Oh, this this week we're doing uh, arguably the most famous cannibal movie of all time uh, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, a horror classic that I think a lot of people haven't seen or haven't seen recently because it, it's kind of misremembered and it's kind of fun to revisit it. Set straight the record about what it actually is because it's so it's so fucking cool that it's not what you expect when you you turn it on. I didn't realize that we were taking on the system with this one. Yeah. I just thought it was a really good movie we were going to talk about. But yeah, you guys are going to have your minds flipped. Step it up. Flip it down. Let me see you work it. Yeah. We're going to take your minds to the skate park and show them a pop shove it. Put your thing down. I'm going to flip it. I'm are you going to reverse, reverse it. it? Yep. I'm going to flick it right back at their fucking faces. <laughs> uh, we are warm people. Press, um, swass and chug, sex it. The thing I like here is that you're trying to say something backwards for real. Um, and I, you know, Peter, one of the many reasons I love you, you have committed to a bit way beyond its necessity. <laughs> Why would you um, try to accidentally... Backwards. 
Was it? <laughs> I mean, it was definitely someone attempting to say it backwards, Peter. Um, Listen, I'm, think- not, I'm not Missy. I can't just I can't just flip it and reverse it on command. Oh. Um, so yeah, the, the, so, we're talking about cannibal we're, uh, we're family ta- we're films. Doing cannibal family films. <laughs> no need to <laughs> clarify what that means. And uh, yes, this is this is definitely going to be the most. It's the big one. This is the most well-known movie of the month, <clears throat> one of the most well-known horror movies of all time, and we usually uh, avoid avoid the, the heavy hitters, the big guys, uh, for some I'm weird scared. reason. Because uh, we're too spooked. We're and too spooked. <laughs> and uh, we have done Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the past uh, two weeks, which is, uh, I think, showing that we're becoming braver, maybe dumber, but braver. Most people, when they find out that we did two movies that people are aware of back to back, they're going to go, how brave, how brave (laughs) these two white men are to talk about movies that people like on their movie podcast. Yeah. I'm expecting an award at the potties. The potties. The equivalent of the Nobel Peace Prize for podcasts. (laughs) Hey, do you want to talk about the rest of our Spooktober movies? Yeah. The finality. (laughs) You want to try that again? The finalness. Finale? No, there's finality to it. <laughs> I meant this. That's, that's fine. I'm, I'm pretty sure um, finality is a word, Peter. Uh, <laughs> that's who, what I was going with. First year. Who goes first year? Well, you've gone first all month, so why don't you keep hogging the limelight and go first now? I watched uh, The Boy, which I've been wanting to watch for years. Hey, guess what? I watched. Oh, wait. Before we do this, should we say our final counts? Uh, yeah, actually, now that we're getting into movies, let's get into our final counts. Let's get our counts. Aaron, what was your overall movies watched? So I'm going to give you three. I'm going to throw three numbers at you because it depends on how you want to count. Those numbers better be six, six, and six. Yep. Three numbers right at you. (laughs) Satan. (laughs) I watched a Satan, one Satan amount of movie. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) One one Satan's worth, please. Which, if you remember your uh, conversion tables. (laughs) <laughs> six six six. Um, okay. Stand uh, out of the what? What? Throw uh, some numbers at me. Math is scary. Uh, forty six new to me. Fifty five different horror movies, including rewatches, and fifty eight total horror movie watches because I watched Coraline four times. <laughs> I watched a grand total of sixty five. Watched a grand. That's. Quite a yeah, bit. I watched a thousand movies. I broke space time. No, I watched sixty-five movies, uh, each with one watch. Um, you should have watched four more. And then I watched. You're so right. I was so close to that that top part. I should have uh, really topped it. This was my overall uh, record I've ever gotten for Spooktober. This was yeah, the highest. Same for me. I mean, yeah. I, both of us essentially watched two movies a day for thirty-one yeah. straight days, which feels like. You know, like, like a lot. Feels like a like not so much if we were unemployed and had no one in our lives. Yeah. Um, which is again, I said this before, I don't mean to sound snarky, the ideal way to spend Spooktober. Not the rest of your life, probably. Unless that's what you want to do. I don't want to judge. But Spooktober ideally abandoned by loved ones, no employment. But it, it gets harder when there's like people that depend on you in your life. Yeah, or just people that want to watch TV with you. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, and then so I got uh, new watches was fifty eight, 
um, which meant, you know, seven rewatches um, this month. So I'm, I'm really happy. I beat my last year. It was overall, it was 64 and then 53, I think, new. So I, I beat my record by a few this year. And this yeah, will probably I think be the at, best I think I was at like 33, um, 40, and 42. So I'm like inching up there each year. Uh, yeah. Well, and I, and I got to ask, when is enough enough, Peter? I feel like. The 50s to 60s is right about where I want to be. I, I feel like it's enough. So, anyways, uh, you mentioned that you watched The Boy. I did too. Yeah. The Boy yeah, is special. pretty incredible. Um, it's a slow burn sort of serial killer origin story, but it's also very understated. Uh, it's very beautiful. It's very minimal. And it doesn't try and offer any sort of pat armchair psychology versions of, of why this kid is the way he is. Uh, it both doesn't explain him and it does explain him. And I, I love how it kind of walks that tightrope walk. Aaron, what'd you make of this movie? I thought it was good. Yeah, it's uh, it's beautiful to look at. I'm when he yeah. used to watch it, so nothing would have really like matched my level of excitement for it. But it still worked for me. The director Craig McNeil uh, worked on Channel Zero, um, which is pretty cool. Again, I watched it a little bit too late in the month to really, yes. I think, appreciate the slow burn of it. Yes, um, it was one of the last movies I watched, so I'm excited to watch it again. But it was, it was. Uh, exquisitely directed, well acted, and uh, just bad placement for my part for what kind of movie it was, but really, really, really good. Yeah, I saved it for late in the month because I was like, oh, I'll save a couple ones I'm still excited for for late in the month. But yeah, it was it was a slow burn one. Um, I watched Isle of the Dead with Boris Karloff. Oh, yeah. Uh, Val Luton. Get, yeah, to get some more, uh, more Luton in there. Um, but Isle of the Dead. Uh, spooky, it's not my favorite Luton, but it's Spooky Island stuff, and it helped get my excitement for the month back up, because I needed something that wasn't, like, completely grim, and had a sort of, uh, uh you know, old-timey charm. Uh, <laughs> it's funny, when we listen back to these recaps, it's gonna be like, the first weeks always sound like your first year in college, when it's like, party time, drinking stories, having fun, and then, like... The you sound last, like McCready at the I end know. of the thing. <laughs> the last Day week is like, look, yeah, no, I, we had a lot of fun going out, but I got a final in the morning, and honestly, it's just, I don't know if my liver can handle all this. We're a little too old to get that. That's that's what it sounds like. It, yeah, you're a bit much right now. Um, yeah. But uh, I'd love to see you at the dining hall and pretend like I don't know you. You still go to the dining hall your senior year? <laughs> no um no definitely definitely not um <laughs> just to hang out and meet new cool freshmen who they got good dinner, dinner rolls yet. yeah where else you can get dinner rolls <laughs> so the next one was actually really good there's a lot of movies i really liked at the end of the month but this one was maybe my favorite of the new watches uh for this week which is satan slaves it's oh indonesian, yeah indonesian occult uh ghost movie it's part the conjuring part Burn witch, burn like a cult thriller, uh, and those are two things I love a lot. It's very scary. I got a few like giggle, terrified laughs out of me, which is like as close as I get to screaming. Uh, so that's good. Then I watched Terrified, which was the most. It was it was amazing, but it was definitely the most confounding watch of the month because it th it just keeps throwing shit at you, and I, you can't decide if that's the movie purposefully disorienting you or if it's the movie being bad. <laughs> and I need to watch it again because this is one of those late month movies where I was just like, "Wait, what are you saying again?" <laughs> like I, I can't rewind this a third time. Uh, 
but yeah, terrified, very spooky uh, Argentinian movie. And I don't know if I give it like a full on uh, uh, rousing endorsement, but it's certainly weird. It's the it's the weirdest movie I watched this month. Someone's watching me. A John, uh, the last John Carpenter horror movie I haven't seen. Uh, I'll be it? watching. I'm watching Elvis next month. It's fine. <laughs> It was I like glad you I, saved the finest for laugh. Yeah, it's fine. Um, it's 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 basically like a Hitchcockian riff, and if that's something that you're like very much into, or you're a big De Palma guy, like yeah, you'll probably really dig it. But I found the lead perform uh, lead performer kind of annoying, um, mostly based on dialogue that was she was handed. It's not really her fault, and uh, it, it just it just didn't really work for me. It didn't have the flourishes that. John showed previously and after this. And then uh, the, the original The Town That Dreaded Sundown. I hated How was the that? remake. I hated the remake. So yeah. I, I, I avoided this one for a while. Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, there's some serious missteps, like a stabs at comedy. But when it's like just a, you know, grim, like... It's like a mockumentary, year, right? It's, it, 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 it is in the sense that, like... There's mockumentary segments where someone's okay. like walking around the town, but it's all shot as, you know, these are reenactments or whatever. That's not shot as live scenes happening. Gotcha. Um, the uh, it's very creepy. Uh, it actually like like spooked me quite a bit, uh, but it, it has some stabs at comedy that don't really work well, like some tonal problems that I think just speak to the era it was in. Um, but it, it is definitely worth checking out. Uh, and Happy Death Day I watched after that. Oh, that's great. Happy Death Day was great. I'm super excited. Uh, the trailer for the sequel uh, spoiled this movie for me. <laughs> and I still was able to enjoy it quite a bit. Um, in that she doesn't die? The They spoil who the actual killer is in the trailer. Oh. For happy, happy Death Day to you. That's right. Which I saw before Halloween. So I was like saving half, Happy Death Day for late in the month for like a fun one. But it, the, here's my elevator pitch for Happy Death Day. Even if you're not like crazy about horror movies... It's got, like, rom-com elements. It's very funny. It's yeah. not gory at all. Anyways, uh, one that we both watched also, Eden Lake. Yeah, I was, that was a rec. For a month that had a bunch of uh, recommendations that you've given me over the years, I'm glad I was able to recommend that one to you. That's one of my, I think, my one of my top five, or if not, like, six or seven that I watched that we knew this month. Uh, I loved that movie. I was and very I, into it, too. I wasn't expecting to. Um I've I'd heard really good things, but like you see the poster, and it's just like a woman in a dress covered in blood hiding from people, and like, like do it I was, need to see this? It was released by Dimension Extreme, which like was the little mini label that released stuff like Inside and shit like that. So I was like, okay, like I you know what I've watched a torture porny movie this month, and I've heard good things, so I was gonna watch it, and then it kind of turned into not that like it's not that gory and it's like how unsatisfying getting revenge on your terrorize like it's really good yeah i don't want to say too much yeah i don't want to say too much either but basically it gets into much bigger territory than cruelty for the sake of cruelty it actually gets into socioeconomic stuff it gets into circle of violence stuff it's yeah and and it's uh very sober and very uh, it doesn't have the hypocrisy that a lot of torture porny movies have. Yeah. It, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't find any of the stuff sexy, which I think is, is probably comforting for people that don't really like that genre. And um, everything about the poster indicated the movie would be super rapey. 
no sexual assault or like even hint of it at all. Which yeah, anti content was nice. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's actually part of the pitch for this movie for me. Yeah. Is like, eh, don't worry, no one's getting raped here. We're good. We're good. That and the boy both came way too late in the month because they were just like, like at that at that point in the month, I just needed like. Yeah, Ian Lake was a little earlier for me, but it, like it jolted me. It was it was good. Yeah, uh, but thank you for recommending that. Um, you and then <clears throat> um, the last new one I watched was Opera by Dario Argento. Oh, that how's I somehow, that? I somehow missed it. Um, I'm actually, it, it, I really, I really like it, but it is it has all the problems that every Dario Argento movie has. It's incredibly indulgent, and it is maybe his prettiest movie, barring Suspiria. It's full of beautiful lighting and, and these amazing ornate ornate set pieces, but it's also got all of his annoying indulgences. Like it's fucking twenty minutes too long. Every Dario Argento movie minus Suspiria or Tenebra is twenty minutes too long. The music fucks with the tone. Like he, for some reason, thought hair metal was great music to put on, like while people are getting slashed to death. Like, come on, dude. Um, but yeah, it's it's gorgeous. It, like it's good for this late in the month because, like you said, you can be kind of zombified by the end of this month, and it's kind of fun to watch something that's just like, oh, pretty. Um, but yeah, Aaron, what did you watch this month other than Eden Lake and uh, the Boy? Um, well, I think we've talked a lot about what I watched this month, but since we last recorded, so, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Look, it's the end. I can't be a little pedantic. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so you're gonna say after someone shot you yeah, i know it reminds me of that the best tweet ever which is like uh robert pulls a knife give me all your money and he's like this took a this night took a sharp turn and then it flashes forward to a doctor's office i was like yeah it's a record for number of stamps <laughs> <laughs> um i uh i did something that you did as well that you didn't mention we both rewatched creep show which solidifies my uh, thought that we need to do creep show sometime. That's the movie's so fun. So I, we, I think we avoided it because we kind of covered it in the anthology episode. We, we actually we did. We specifically didn't do a segment from creep show because we thought we might do it as a full episode someday. Yeah, I think we'll. Uh, I think we m- will end up doing a horror anthology uh, month, but it's just so hard to pick four. Yeah, there's like one. The creep show is the best, and yeah. it's so good. Uh, I another wreck from you. What have you done to Solange? Mm. I'll tell you what That's they've a done. Very to her. movie. Not some great things. <laughs> yeah, uh, no good. What they've done. Uh, no the good. Title, the title was does not imply any giving of uh, ice cream. Nope. Um, no. No good back rubs. No. Um, what they've done. College is tuition. Not great. Uh, I also think the message of that movie may be not great. But oh yeah, the movie is uh, deeply regressive, but it's uh, old enough. That I, I find it sort of like uh, like reading a trashy – like it's definitely good in that way, but it's like, oh, this has some uh, shitty things to say about a few different things I'm not going to get into because it does – like the reason why the murders are happening and the way they're happening make a lot of sense or make a sense. But it then opens up a can of worms of like, okay – what are your politics movie? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's one of those movies that if it was made today in 2018, I'd be like, this movie is trash. Oh, yeah. But, it, but it, it, could, it could like easily 72. be made by like the the God's Not Dead people trying to expand to horror movies. <laughs> graphic, graphic horror movies. So, but if you're okay with, with, with the regressiveness that comes with a lot of trash cinema, it's beautiful. And it's one of the uh, – I, I think it's one of the 
best giallo movies i've ever seen yeah it was good um, in a traditional giallo sense you know if yeah. you have to remove suspiria and those movies from it yeah i think i think so uh, i saw ganja and hess oh. which is great uh, the movie love rules. it rules i haven't seen I... the spike lee remake but that one that movie was so good i was like maybe i'll watch the spike lee one too uh yeah it was one of those ones where i uh was glad i sprung for the blu-ray i didn't like the i started watching it earlier in the month and the version on Amazon, I don't think it's the like the restored one, um, or if it is the streaming quality of shit. So uh, I got the Blu-ray and I watched it, and it's great. It is a very pretty movie, but I uh, yeah, if trying to watch an old copy of it can be trying. I'm sure. Uh, I saw Mohawk, which is good. Super Dark Times, which is fine. Uh, the first Purge, which was good, way better than the first Purge. Um, oh yeah it's the first purge is so much better than the first purge yeah i i mean we talked about it last week but i think it deserves to be underlined and <laughs> ran right into the ground how good the first purge is compared to the first purge yeah uh, first purge worst purge yeah uh, election year is still my favorite but this was pretty good second favorite i'd say uh unfriended dark web which uh, i kept trying to get peter to watch because this movie is awesome uh it's so i didn't like the first unfriended not necessarily because of the ghost stuff uh i I had no problem with that but here's here's you're a ghostophobe i'm a ghostophobe uh (laughs) uh well they're wearing white sheets peter they can't they they're up to no good is what i'm saying um that's a a fair argument yeah i can't say anything to that um (laughs) so here was my problem with the first unfriended it's about a bunch of high school kids talking on Skype, uh, and I think they did an amazing job of replicating the experience of high school kids uh, talking on Skype, which is uh, fucking annoying if you're in your <laughs> 30s. So, the scary stuff was kind of – like, they did a good job. I don't think that they were, like, annoying for the sake of annoying. It's just that, again, high school kids talking on Skype, I imagine listening to that would be trying. And so – that like sunk the movie for me. So this one does two things. It does take it out of the supernatural realm, which I actually thought made it way more interesting. Uh, not that I was against it in the first movie, but the, what they did with it, I thought was really good here. Uh, and then they made it like people in their thirties that reconnect like old college friends. And that made it way more bearable from how they <laughs> talked to each other. Uh, and it was scary. So, so just talking about third eye blind, calling each other bromine. Yeah, they were like, "I'm packed and I'm holding. I'm smiling. She living. She golden." <laughs> How many cargo shorts are in this movie? Uh, fifteen. Fifteen. Fifteen legs. <laughs> Seven oh. and a half pairs of shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Uh, I, I well, I told you I watched so much. Uh, the Frank and Weenie Tim Burton one, which I watched with my daughter, which is sure, it's a movie. Yeah, it's not. It's no Paranorman and it's no Monster House if you're going to compare it to the, the very similar yeah. movies that came out within a couple years of uh, – I saw Q, Larry Cohen movie, which was awesome. I really liked yeah. that. Uh, how do you think the monster's name is pronounced? Q. He's the winged serpent. Okay. Quetzalcoatl? Yeah, you did good. I, I just thought maybe you know our audience would like to hear you butcher that, but you did pretty well. Now yeah. I'm the fool. Yeah, well, it's kind of a dinosaur name. That's where my sweet spot is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Frankenhooker, which was also awesome. Yes. Yeah, I almost didn't get to that one. That was like right near the end. I'm like, well, Peter keeps saying it's 86 minutes. And yeah, 
Uh, I'd seen uh, ba- the first Basket Case, but that's the only other Frank uh, Lauder. Yeah, movie I'd seen. Uh, I really liked Basket Case, but yeah, that movie is uh, very funny. <laughs> it's very reanimatory. Yeah, uh, and has some um, the finale especially, and everything that leads up to it is is great. Uh, Blood and Black Lace, which I really liked. Very pretty. Uh, Bava makes th- yeah. doesn't make a movie that's not kind hey, of. Hey, fun weird like fact. Even though I've had a ton of Bava movies on all on my Spooktober list for like five years, this is the first Bava movie I've seen. Oh, really? I just keep I, I keep never getting to them. Uh, they're so. all they're all like gorgeous and fun, and I like like his Giala movies better than Argento's straight faced ones in a lot of ways. So yeah, I definitely recommend pushing on forward. Oh yeah, well, love, I mean I, I own a lot because I keep too. planning. To, I own that. I own Bad Blood. I own uh, Black Sunday. I own Planet of the Vampires. Like they just keep they keep not making the cuts somehow. Uh, Jennifer's Body, which was actually perfect because I feel like I had watched a lot of not movies like Jennifer's Body. So yeah, that that was actually something that really sucked me in, and I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, them, not the Giant Ant movie, the French uh, horror film from two thousand six. Which was I, – I, it felt interesting as an exercise in a 70 minutes, but it was – and then I ended with Messiah of Evil, which was – it had – I'm not surprised that, Peter, that you loved it because I, I loved it too. Good. Uh, the Blu-ray restoration was great. God, there's some it, – it's one of those like, oh, this is not like much I've seen before. Uh, it's like a zombie movie and a cult movie and uh, yeah, it's really, really good. Um, yeah, I'm glad you liked it, especially because you bought it. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm excited. I'm excited to watch it again. Again, removed from the end of a long finale because I think I'm gonna like it. Like, it, it, this is such a, it was a weird experience to be like, this is a five star movie that I'm just kind of want to go, but I want to go to bed. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's very dreamy. Well, just I was just tired. Yeah, know? I was it's, just ready I feel to like be at the done. end of the month. It's gonna be hard. Yeah. So, but as I was watching, I'm like, I'm liking everything. I don't want to be watching it right now, but this is so good. So I'm, ex- <laughs> I'm excited to watch it removed from the context. So that's a lot of movies. Peter, another – I can't believe this was our third uh, Spooktober recording. Our fourth Spooktober together because uh, we – one of the first ways we talked before we did the podcast was talking about our 31 movies. So next year's number five. Yeah, that's exciting, man. I'm, uh, Crazy. I'm I'm looking – I hope people enjoy these Spooktober recaps because it's kind of making the show into a different show for the first – For a little bit, yeah. We don't usually do the here's what we've watched recently, but like this is a good time for it. And hopefully you heard some recommendations or just marveled at how we are psychotic in our quest to watch a ton of movies. But we have talked for a while. We do have a whole nother movie talk. Peter – are you ready to talk about the Texas chain space saw massacre? Yeah, let's talk about it. The film which you are about to see is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths, in particular, Sally Hardesty and her invalid brother, Franklin. It is all the more tragic in that they were young. But had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected, nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see that day. For them, an idyllic summer afternoon drive became a nightmare. The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, the Texas 
Chainsaw Massacre. Peter, you are alternate tagline. Do I have to be? Uh, uh, someone has to be. Someone's the leader of the segment that multiple guests have said they don't fully understand, even though they listen every week. <laughs> alternate taglines for. Should we explain te- it? Text. Here's here's the concept. So you know, movie posters have taglines. These are different ones that we've created. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like a segment. It's kind of like a That's segment. That's not a good one. Yeah, it's clearly <laughs> good. Massacre. I hardly know her. Oh, boy. Uh, are you sure you didn't have a kid between the opening section and the second one? Because that's some dad jokes. <laughs> Let me send up the dad signal. <laughs> yeah, there's some intel. Um, um, yeah. Uh, you, got anything, you got anything that's not terrible? Do I have anything that's not terrible? Um, <laughs> oh, my God. I checked my pockets and they're both empty. <laughs> uh, let me check this pocket. Um, no, it's just the actual tagline, which is amazing. The actual tagline is uh, who will don't survive go to Texas. and what will be left of them. Oh. I think don't go to Texas is a good one. Uh, yeah, Dennis Farina, his voice comes out of every poster and says, yeah, don't go to Texas. <laughs> oh, references. Uh, uh, I, I guess I'll do it. I'll just, let's just move. Let's just charge ahead. Sla- uh, Slaughter, uh, Slaughterhouse 3, because there's only three members of the Sawyer family. But five people died. So the original Slaughterhouse The original Slaughterhouse died. died. Assuming time moves backwards for you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no troglodytes here. Trafalgamites? I don't know, just cut this all out. Oof, um, yeah. Spooked oof, over. Yeah, that's a, that's a big oof. Oof! There uh, it is. A big oof. Oof, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Tag team, back again. To the chagrin of everyone they know. <laughs> Tag team, back again. Please stop. Don't do it again. Party on, um, party people make shorter episodes. <laughs> Okay, um, Aaron, do you want to recap the story of Texas Tejas Massacre? I'd like to slam dunk it, stick it, flip it, and ride that B-double-O-T-Y, oh my. Ooh, there it is. Oof. Come on, come on. Uh, are you done making me uncomfortable, or are you just getting started? We've only just begun making Peter uncomfortable. Um, right. Uh, so Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Pretty simple plot, actually. There's five uh, teens, <laughs> teens in their late thirties, who are driving across did, Texas okay, in a van. Did, did uh, teens just look old back then? Because the mustaches and the weird hair. Yeah, and they just yeah, no air conditioning. They're just yeah. out in the sun in these vans all day. <laughs> Picking up hitchhikers that are stabbing them. It was a hard knock life being a, a teen, teen in the 70s in Texas. But they're driving around. They pick up a hitchhiker, a guy that gives a lot of warning signs that no one does anything about. Uh, and then this guy, uh, you find out he works at the slaughterhouse. He proceeds to stab himself. Uh, and then Franklin who's in the wheelchair. So anyway, so yeah. So what ends up happening is they kick the guy out. And he does a little boogie-woogie dance. Um, yeah, he does the boogie-woogie-woogie. Yeah, he does the boogie-woogie-woogie, just like Stephen Wolf said. Mm-hmm. The boogie, the oogie, oogie-boogie, mm-hmm. uh, if we're being technical. And we are 
very scholarly and serious and knowledgeable. Why are, uh, Why do we keep making references to songs that probably our listeners were conceived to? Uh, because we, we got a list from all of their parents, and we're just peppering them in to see if they get a theme going. So, anyways, they kick them out, and then they drive, and they drive, and they go to a gas station, and they go, we need some gas. But they don't have any gas. Because the gas hasn't been delivered, because you youngins don't uh, don't understand how gas used to get places, do you? You think it just digitally downloads from your MySpace, and your fee- feed book? Yeah. Um, and your gas book? Yeah. But no, they had to deliver it in trucks. Sometimes, if there was a slight wind, the engines just couldn't take it. And the, <laughs> gas w- and the gas was late. So, you know, bread was different prices back then, too. So, respect your elders. Um, and uh, don't question the leadership of Gerald Ford. No. No, he's bringing... What do you think his slogan was? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm president now. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I guess. <laughs> Ready to step up because I'm legally required to. <laughs> next next in line, first in your hearts. He is the definition of the the guy who is like, you know the old saying, like half of everything is just showing up. Like he is the I mean, like well, I stood in line long enough and I deserve to be president. Let's find out what his campaign slogan was for 1980. Gerald Ford. Oh, my God. Does he even have one? Hold on. He's got to have one. It pulled up uh, Barack Obama's. They're like, you probably don't want Gerald Ford. You probably want <laughs> You don't want to read that. Oh, my God. So, he had one, and Jimmy Carter had four. Most of these have multiple slogans, but uh, but Gerald Ford had one. <laughs> It's so good. Uh, well, to be fair, one of Jimmy Carter's was probably like, everybody likes peanuts, right? Yeah, that's one of them. It's not just peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a leader for a change. These uh, are Jimmy Carter's. Okay. Uh, peanuts not, make me go nuts. Why not the best? <laughs> why not the best? Why not the best? Uh, and then Peaches and Cream. He was Peaches, and then the Cream was Walter Mondale. I'm not kidding. <laughs> they like called themselves like Vote for Peaches and Cream. Wow. Um, I Walter you know, Mondale I, was from Minnesota, and we are the creamiest state. <laughs> if that grosses you out, maybe you should re-examine where your brain goes. Uh, <laughs> so Gerald Ford's was he's making us proud again. <laughs> Which implies they had something to not be proud of in the recent past, which was, uh, I think, what was that? What a weird slogan. Well, it's gotten a little better. I don't feel as much shame. Anyway, so thank God looking for gas. Um, Our two heroes, Peaches and Likes the gas for these guys. Yeah. And they find an old abandoned house and they hang out there for a little bit. I believe uh, it was it was a familial estate uh, of their dead grandfather. The reason that they're out there is because to find their grand grandfather. Their grandfather. They heard there were grave robbers in the area. Yeah. This is the worst part of the movie, but it also is kind of like inconsequential. It's the so easy on a road to ignore. Trip. Yeah, the teens are on a road trip and they're like, "Let's see if." Grave robbers fucked with my grandfather's grave. You know yeah. that thing that would always get a group of horny college kids together in a hot van. They're only kind of horny. Like for they're college kids, horny. they're not that horny. Yeah, especially for movie college kids. Like yeah. they're practically celibate. I mean, does anyone kiss in this movie? 
I think people think about kissing, but then I think realize... there's like that thing where like people get really close and sway back and forth, like at this abandoned house, mm-hmm. and that's like the extent of their horniness. Some good old fashioned swaying. I mean, in the seventies, that was third base. Seventies <laughs> famous for its chasteness. <laughs> um, uh, well, you get murder for Texas in Texas, I guess. I think it, so. Anyways, think first base in the seventies was actually uh, first base was like an eight way. <laughs> it was taking your wife to uh, an orgy and then yelling at her in the car afterwards. It was like a key party where it, you just had one key. <laughs> so as we continue with the plot of texas chainsaw massacre uh horror classic uh two of them here uh here gas generator and they go check it out and they walk into this house uh and uh much like little bunny fufu uh he gets knocked on the head by yeah. a man wearing a a, a a human mask we'll say like a leather face he's got uh, oh. a phrase i just coined that's clever uh, and then one of the other kids walks in uh, and goes, hey, friend. And then is like, oh, friend. Oh, no. <laughs> um, because the house really is unkempt, first of all. Mm-hmm. They keep all of their garbage roadkill uh, feathers. <laughs> um, they, they would snakes, be good uh, candidates to be nominated for hoarders, I think. I think so. But all the cameramen would probably get bonked on the head. Yeah. Put on meat hooks. That's and that's probably number one with a bullet when you're a cameraman for a show. Like, don't want to be bonked on the head. Don't want to be put on a hook. You probably don't need a tripod if you get the cameraman on a meat hook. He's gonna stay pretty still. Oh yeah. So it saves time. Uh, And tripods are made of plastic, which adds CO two into the atmosphere. Hmm. What do you know? I know global warming. No good. So yeah, bunch of bunch of kids just kind of. I feel like we're not all feet. that engaged in telling this summary. I'm not. I guess maybe because everybody knows it. So anyways, another kid gets in, he dies too, uh, and then uh, Franklin. Uh, they're they're wandering around. Uh, what's what's the la- the final girl's name? Is it Sally? Yeah, Sally and Franklin are wandering around. Leatherface shows up in the woods. Kills Franklin. Sally runs towards this house she sees in the distance, not knowing it's the Leatherface house. Uh, jumps out a window, escapes, uh, goes to a gas station, and is like, oh, hell, go, gas station person. Oh, we're safe now. But it turns out he is the dad of the both the, the person we saw at the beginning who worked at the, uh, the slaughterhouse and the Leatherface man. Uh <laughs> No, I sound like I'm totally unfamiliar with this movie. <laughs> um, uh, and we watched uh, the trailer. Yeah, you get the Chainsaw Massacre. So, anyways, they bring her home, introduce her to the in-laws, the family, grandparents. Uh, have her down for a meal. Um, yell at her face for 20 minutes, and she finally escapes. Uh, and uh, the slaughterhouse son dies by getting hit by a car. She eventually gets on a pickup truck and Leatherface, much like King Crimson? Not King Crimson. Who's dancing in the moonlight? Dancing in the moonlight? I don't know, Billy Joel or some shit? No, it's not Billy Joel. Do and I look like I'm a baby boomer? Well, a baby. it starts... And I make starts, boom in my pants, but... It starts with, we get it on most every night, so obviously, as a virgin, <laughs> you... Can't relate. Can't relate. King Harvest. 
not King Crimson. The other king, <laughs> the king of the autumn. So it's like that, but in the sunlight is the joke. Movie over. Chaos reigns. Chaos reigns. Yeah, uh, and so we we're, we've let's get something clear right away. We've been joking around, having a goof him around. Oh, this it's is been one a goof of the best around. movies of all time. It, uh, yeah, it's one of the best movies of all time. It's also one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Uh, it is a truly grueling experience, which is not a phrase I would use for most horror movies. Um, it reminds me of, you know, everyone talks about how funny Evil Dead 2 is, and it is very funny, but it's also just fucking intense, especially those last 45 minutes. It it feels like your pulse is racing, the movie doesn't stop, there's just things happening, and it's like a sensory overload, and the last 30 minutes, 40 minutes of this movie is the same way. Uh, it's a short movie, and I, I love it. I saw it. I saw a 35mm print in uh, theaters last year, which was great seeing it with an audience. Um, I will say the first time I saw it, I was not that in love with it. I'll, I'll probably get a lot of uh, pushback from from horror fans, uh, which is not really true because people don't talk, contact us. People hear us and are like, not interested in talking to those guys. <laughs> but uh, I watched like a terrible VHS copy, I think, when I was in college. And this movie, I think you can make the case that it adds to the grindhouse found footage nature, but it's kind of so cheaply shot on 16 millimeter, even though it's really, it kind of took away from how gorgeous it was. And then I saw a DVD and appreciated it more. And then when I got the Blu-ray, it really was like, oh my God, this movie is just gorgeous. It is so well shot. And that not having the distraction of like trying to watch a bad print uh, really helped it rise in my estimation. So... Even though this is a movie I saw for the first time probably like 15, 16 years ago, I think it's only become a true favorite of mine in the last five years. And I've seen it six or seven times in the last five years. I've, I've watched it a lot recently and it, it's just – I love it so much. This is one of the uh, one of the movies that I have not seen in a very long time. Like yeah, I was – Maybe a decade. You mentioned that and I was so surprised to hear you say that because this seems like the type of movie, Peter, that you – would be fanatical about we've talked about this movie we did the sequel on this show it's i talked about seeing it in the theaters last year it's it's surprising to me that this is something that you haven't seen it's harrowing and it's short it's like what 78 minutes yeah it's really short it's uh one second all right it's it's important to get this right um <laughs> okay 83 minutes so it's 83 fucking minutes. And what's amazing about that is that it, it feels like you are flowing through the emotions at the rate that our protagonists are going through them and that you have no time to rest, but also your sense of confusion is kind of matched with theirs. And like they're not resetting. They're just getting more and more stressed, just like you're getting more and more stressed as the movie goes on. And then it just fucking ends. Just straight to just straight to credits, black screen, movie over. And it was such a slap in the face when I was like 17 that I was like, I don't know if I'll ever see a movie like that. And I still haven't really. Eyes of My Mother is is uh, the closest I think a movie's ever gotten to giving me that, that raw, visceral experience again. Yeah, and someone I, – I mentioned before that one of the best letterbox reviews I saw for that movie was – it was Bergman's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, and it's it's true. And this is this is a movie that it's it's reputation I think belies how interesting and how beautiful it is and how 
not cheap, not trashy, not tawdry. It, there's no there's no sexual assault in it. It actually kind of waves off the idea. During that final harrowing dinner scene, uh, Sally basically says, like, I'll do anything you want with a sort of, like, it is offering sexual favor the way out of this? Like, is that the way I, you know, like, what can I do to not be murdered and fed to this this octogenarian, nonagenarian uh, gravel beast of an old man? Um, and they just kind of, like, laugh at her. And it's yeah. like weirdly comforting for the era because the era was so chock full of, like, wall to wall with these, like, post-Summer of Love rape movies, the the Hills of Eyes and Last House on the Left in particular. Straw dogs. Yes. Yes. These, like, what happens when hippie kids uh, meet, uh, you know, when the rubber meets the road. These Deliverance. Yeah. Learn, learn what the real world is. Uh, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia also has a very, like, creepy, sad sexual assault in it. It, it, it avoids all – it avoids that stuff and just goes for pure, raw, visceral terror that's confusing. But not that – and not that gory of a terror because no. the, when you hear that this is such an – I think people remember more – gore than there is i know i do there's essentially with the exception of when he cuts his own leatherface cuts his own leg with a chainsaw near the end there's no shots of the chainsaw going in there's essentially no blood that's not like dried blood on a wall like even the meat hook scene you don't see the meat hook go in you just see her being hung on a meat hook yeah but the only the only gore effect is at the very end with the like relatively minor cut that happens to Leatherface's leg. It, it it's it's amazing that people. It, well, a the movie is pretty misleading because there's literally only Franklin is the is a person killed with a chainsaw. Yeah. Um, and so it's pretty misleading, and the uh, the amount of blood and visceral violence is is pretty low, especially because for some reason Toby Hooper was going for a PG rating. Yeah. Um, which at the time was PG thirteen. Keeping in mind, uh, it, it was like you know, well, you, at the time was like to see some, the movie. Yeah, sometimes it was R. Yes, yes. There's PG movies at the time. Some of them had boobs. Some of them, some of them had like multiple uh, fucks in it. Um, yeah, plenty it, of PG sex. did mean like parental guidance. Like you're not restricted from seeing it, but I don't know. Take an yeah. adult. And what I what I think is so fascinating about that is that I think people's memory in people's memories and people's nightmares the movie has built up this 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 thing and that's because the movie has a unpretentious unadorned very raw quality to it and I think it accesses your your inner fear in a way that like you don't like remember like specifics of dialogue you just remember the like way it made you feel and specific imagery and like the fact that it is so plotless is actually an asset because in real life you don't feel the plot in real life it's just like a ro- it's like a every, everything in real life is like a road movie it's like a series of occurrences and then at some point you sit back and you're like well i guess that's what that means or maybe it, you never sit back and and you know take ownership take stock um and this is very much like that like the fact that it's so plotless actually adds to that raw an unadorned purity. This has less plot than Halloween, which we did last week, but it does remind me of like that. People remember it being more gory than it is when both movies are pretty bloodless for them with, <laughs> yeah. with like two exceptions. Uh, they're both like very short. They're both very intense. And those two movies and like Black Christmas 
was like, yep, that's 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 your genre. Like this, this is a genre now. And yeah, but the, every time I think it's something about the house, uh, the makeup effects of like the grandpa. It just you just feel viscerally uncomfortable. And then there is a lot of like I made a couple jokes about the close up screaming, and there is a lot of it. That was the part that you could tell like people wanted out of the theater in a good way. To to have that like projected on such a big screen and just being kind of thrust into this like non-violent for the most part, but so traumatizing torturing that they're doing to Sally is is like, I just want this to be over. Like in a way that I'm not with like movies where people really torture people. Like I'm not just like, please just make this over. Please just make this over. There's something almost um, more traumatizing as a viewer to see the kind of mind fuckery they're inflicting on this poor uh, woman in a way that like that, that feels more understandable because you are also experiencing like wh- you're not tied to a chair, but like you are having them be close in your face with the close up screaming at you and when you're watching most movies where people are tortured, like you're not experiencing skin being flailed off you. Um, And I think there's something about that, that adds to the like audience stress of the situation. Yeah. There's a, a distinct lack of control that comes with uh, not knowing where the plot is going, not knowing what the rules of the scenario are, what these, like even the specifics of what, these people want like clearly they want her for meat but that's not actually clear i guess like none of that is actually clear until you you've seen the movie a couple times you know they want to extract terror out of her you know that like some part of her body will be used and then it it seems like as the time goes on they start to rather than giving you more information like they're almost winnowing down what they're gonna do to her like no we're not gonna rape you compared to the rest of the movies we're gonna do this month like raw the eating is like biological you know they need to consume the meat uh it's kind of the same way in spider baby too they have a sickness and like that's the only thing that tastes good to them no other meat will do uh and in blood diner diner it's like a a, a business it's it's for capitalist purposes <laughs> like this is an easy way to uh run our burger shop uh and also collect parts for this ritual yeah where this is the only one where it's like they don't have any sort of biological or like supernatural need. Um, they probably aren't just eating people, but it feels more like a vengeance against the people that have put them out of work at the slaughterhouse. The fact that they're city folk coming into their area, like it just feels uh, cruel for cruel sake. Can I? Certain- yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. I can I uh, interrupt you by saying. Uh, a very dumb theory that I came up with while I was watching the movie and then was laughing at myself for coming up with it, like, within seconds because it was so dumb. I'll tell you what. You do that because I have an equally dumb thing that I thought of watching this movie this time. Yeah. So, let's let's do a dumb off, Peter. Okay, okay. So, the first thing I want to say. It's our first annual Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> dumb off. So, the first thing I want to say is not dumb. And that's that, yes, the... the um, I mean, the dumb off has started. <laughs> 
All right. Well, maybe I'll I'll, huh. I'll uh, say something smart so you can really feel the valley. Okay. Um, okay. But okay, so the the movie actually is very much about this economic collapse, this economic apocalypse that has hit the region, where the so nobody stupid. in the region seems to be working. <laughs> Even the sheriff or the policeman just seems to be drunk all the time. Everyone's just kind of like giggling hicks. It's very apocalyptic. It feels almost Australian in a sense, like where it's just like. These are some wild people out here on the, you know, out here in the outback. Well, it feels, it also feels very North Dakota. North Dakota is still filled with towns with like 80 people that live there. And you drive through and you're like, what are your jobs here? (laughs) I smile and make creepy noises at everyone that comes through. I got paid a nickel and a corn dog every hour. Especially the Midwest is filled with like these little towns that like have a gas station and a bar and like eight houses. And you're like. Does everyone just work at the gas station in the bar? Is there farming going on? Like, yes. Like, I just, I don't understand the mechanics of, of how this town came to be. Well, obviously the town came to be before some economic collapse or another, but like, why are you still all here? Yeah. It feels like vaguely post-apocalyptic because you're just like, you don't feel like people are connected to the actual community they're in they just all happen to be in that place because where else would they be right um they're almost like ghosts of of a lost land which you know um is played for horror here um as opposed to sympathy like it is in in certain movies um and we've had multiple economic uh collapses this is uh this one was just you know right after this movie is supposed to take place like right after the recession caused by the vietnam war and stuff so, um, it was th- before Gerald F- Ford was making us proud again. Before he's making us proud. And what the movie does with this information is that, like, it lets you know that our our villains, the Sawyer family, rose out from this this economic depression and uh, and just became their own weird side path to the to this community that like people don't really go near them they don't really seem to go near them but yet like one of them is running a gas station and you know seems to be one of the few people actually working but they are they were hit by this this recession just as badly or also the the economic ravages of corporatization and automation so there's this this conversation that happens where the 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 freakish youngish kid what's the youngish one in the Sawyer family normal face Normal face. Mustache face. Non-leather face. Um, One second. Skin face. Skin face. Hold on. Well, let's look it up because my my dumb thing has to do with them too. Yeah. Have you started your dumb thing or you still think you're saying I'm still still, still getting there. Edwin Neal. There's a Drayton Sawyer that's the patriarch. And then Nubbins. Good old Nubs. Yeah, so Nubbins uh, says something uh, along the lines of Nubbins and Franklin are having this conversation about uh, the, uh, you know, uh, now they use this automatic piston gun, which you can see in No Country for Old Men. Uh, that's, that's Anton Schicker's, like, other weapon other than his silenced shotgun. Um, and he, and he said, and, uh, Nubbins says, like, that's no good. That's no good. You got to use the hammer. Like, Clearly, this family was left behind in multiple ways. The world has has moved on to a corporate model of slaughterhouses, like away from the family model and yada yada. This made me think of the argument that people were making during the 2016 election that like, well, yeah, these people are voting for Trump because they, uh, they, uh, you know, they, they, there's a, they want to hurt city folk. 
Yeah, and then Trump did actually like promise like I'll bring the jobs back, I'll bring the coal jobs back, I'll bring all these working class jobs back, and of of course he didn't. But that was the promise he made. So my dumb thing is that I was reminded of that and how the nubbins resembles like an alt-right troll like he gets in the van he acts like an asshole he seems to have no other goal other than to freak out all these hippies like yeah and and it's like he is one of those like he's trolling them he's the 4chan of this movie and then leatherface is this like big petulant man baby who's very good at killing for some reason but he's not actually good at killing he's like sort of incompetent and impotent at times and like he wants to be good at killing yeah people basically have to walk into the front doors of his slaughterhouse to get to it and that reminds me very much of like all these like nazi murderers that keep popping up these mass killings or and it also sort of reminds me of trump in a way even though trump didn't come from those roots it reminds me of trump because he's this fat ugly lard and everyone gets so excited about like well get him leatherface like go get him like he's this he's this like they see him as some sort of avenger of of the you know the working the working man that was forgotten and uh and so he could stand in for either of those so that was the dumb thing that i wanted to to uh that came into my brain and i started giggling at myself for how stupid it was because the movie clearly has nothing to do with that thing so it's funny because we had very similar dumb our dumb <laughs> off is a real real squeaker so i'm watching this movie and i see uh a patriarch who is evil doesn't like getting his hands dirty but it's just kind of pure evil and mean and kind of inflicts terror on anyone that comes with him. And then I see these two idiot sons and I'm like, who are trying very hard to impress their dad, but are <laughs> stupid and incompetent in their own way. And it's I'm like, two fail sons. Yeah. So it's like, hmm, who is a needlessly cruel and evil patriarch with two idiot sons who try very hard to be also evil, but are kind of bumbling fools. One's dumber than the next. And I was like, man, it sure reminds me of someone. I can't quite put my finger on who the the (laughs) Sawyer family reminds me of. Um, Yeah, the Trump. I mean, it did remind me of... Of uh of of Donald and his dumb two sons Eric <laughs> and Donny G Donna J yeah his um, his two fail sons and 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 you know like you could dig deeper you could dig deeper if we were doing a stupid fucking think piece for a shitty website we could be like we could be like well also you know uh, Leatherface and Nubbins and the, are you know draining the lifeblood of and and, mur- and you know hurting and maiming all these uh these. Uh, the disabled and women so that they can feed parts to the patriarchy. I'm like, yeah, I mean, this is, it just, I can run with this dumb idea for a long time. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's not that surprising. It's kind of like when we were doing all those future sport movies and we're like, man, all these things are familiar. It's because, yeah, because future sport movies were about what if game show hosts became fascists and that's, that's the world we're living in. Like, that's what all future sport movies are like. What if fascism and game shows? And that is our that is our uh, the cabinet uh, of the presidency right now. And and like, hey, what's someone who's just needlessly cruel and evil um, and has two dumb sons? You're gonna be like, well, yeah. That reminds me of Donald Trump because he is a man with no redeeming qualities whatsoever. Much like the Sawyer family. 
I actually have more sympathy for Leatherface than I do. So which one's Leatherface? <laughs> it's got to be Eric, right? It's got to be Eric, like, yeah. I think because Donald make the same is, dumb face too when they're like they do. He's peeling back his gums. Because I feel like Donald Jr. is the he's the one on Twitter just being needlessly cruel all the time. He's, and like he's, lab, the he's right owning Troy. the libs. Yeah, he's oh, he's big on owning the libs. <laughs> Eric tries to do that occasionally. He's he's really bad at it. And then there's like a part of him that like occasionally when he's not like stealing money from St. Jude Children's Hospital is like giving a little bit to it. Like it seems like he is the dumber, well-meaning son. And by well-meaning, I'm comparing him to the equally well-meaningness of uh, Leatherface, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> like he's as well-meaning as Leatherface, and then Ivanka is the gas station attendant one, right? Because she's like the people are like, oh, she's not so bad, you know. She's putting a, she's putting on a brave public face. Well, the gas for station everyone. attendant is the patriarch. That's the guy that runs the gas station. Is the patriarch? Oh yeah, you're right. Okay, so, so he, then there's the so dad. She's like the cop. Yeah. Anything. And then the dad is is the old guy with the Fred hammer. Trump. Definitely Fred Trump, the guy who marched in the KKK rallies in the 20s. Yes. Uh, and then also what's interesting is there's a uh, – in this very similar so, – so Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I don't, I don't want to spend literally more than – Well, especially because we only have like 20 minutes left of this episode. Yeah. Um, I don't want to spend more than 20 seconds on this, but like uh, this this movie is also inspired by Ed Gein yep. and his killings, similar to Psycho and uh, Sound Silence of the Lambs. Lambs. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Ed Gein inspired a whole swath of, uh, of, of you know, uh, serial killer movies. Uh, and most, most importantly, the direct-to-video movie, Gein. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was that the Jeremy Renner one or was he in No, DC? you think he's uh, Dahmer. Oh, he was Dahmer? He, he wasn't BTK? Uh, he wasn't. A, he didn't have a BTK. You want to have a BTK? So Ed Gein has 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. Who started in that movie from 2000? I think if the trick is that if you put the actual – if you make a movie actually about a serial killer, like directly, it's going to be bad. But if you make it uh, – you just take ideas from it, it's going to be – it might be good. Oh, my god. Oh, my god. What? You know who plays Ed Gein? So I remember seeing this at the video store I worked at and I'm like – and it had like a disclaimer of like – they, you know, now it's time for you. Like you've seen Silence of the Lambs, you've seen Psycho. Now it's you've time seen for good movies. Gein. Now see a yeah. bad one. So this one's called Ed Gein. It's from two thousand. Okay, who would be the best possible person to play Ed Gein? We need to do this on our show. So it's not like Stacy Keach or Powers Booth or any of those guys. I mean, did you hear my reaction? Where that was not a effective. It's not reaction Dean Kane. Where I said, "Oh my god!" <laughs> no, no, but it's in Dean Kane territory. Oh, God. In the same way that you would be excited if you found out that Dean Kane played Ed Gein, which honestly, from a name perspective, that works great. He <laughs> doesn't even, Ed Gein. Like, like, he probably doesn't even have to learn to respond to a different name on set. It's close enough. Like, if you went up to Dean Kane right now and said, hey, Ed Gein, he'd probably go, yeah, what? <laughs> He's just listening for a num- number of consonants. It's actually Dean Kane. I actually don't feel bad. Ever about making fun of Dean Kane now? Because he is a hardcore Trumper. Oh, oh, is he? Yeah, he's trash. Oh, yeah. yeah, piece of garbage. Um, but uh, but he's very fun to say his name. Okay, so so it's it's like, but Dean Kane is like the '90s Dean Kane. This is like he, we've we've done two movies starring him. Oh, and he's uh, definitely uh, he's the uh, '80s the dude from Dean Life Kane. Force. 
Um, Steve Rails back. Steve Rails back. <laughs> plays, plays Ed Gein. No. Oh my God. Well, we can rent it for four ninety nine SD on Prime Video. <laughs> How can let's we let's lose? watch it on this episode. Um, um, but yeah, uh, so there's not, there's sh- not, there's not. Sh- I'm adding it to my watch list. <laughs> Steve Rosbeck is the worst. Oh no! Um, here's the thing: four ninety nine. It's four ninety nine to rent SD. Two dollars more. Buy that baby. <laughs> You'll be watching it an equal number of times, so I don't know how to crunch those numbers. What if I watch it one more time? I've saved money. Mm, you did save money. Um, you saved two dollars. Um, so, or I've lost two dollars. <laughs> <laughs> That's the gamble. This has a ton of five star reviews. I don't want to sound like a different podcast, but they're all verified purchases. Oh, there were all reviews like this, like, very satisfied I received movie before expected and appraised perfectly. <laughs> Thank you. Much appreciated. I I, I love that, that that's a whole school of thought, like. That's like my behind. favorite Amazon review, like, where they're reviewing the delivery of the product. <laughs> you know, I really have to pay Amazon their kudos here. Um, they sent me a package that I paid for. Can you imagine if a movie reviewer, like a real one, did that, like, got to the theater, seats? She got shown on the screen. I could leave to go to the bathroom. Everything I expect from from a from a theater situation in a democracy where I'm not forced to sit in it for the day. Like, <laughs> By that standard, uh, Halloween uh, two, 2018 would have lost a couple stars because there were annoying loud people in front of me in the movie theater. What was I saying? I don't About know. Anything? Oh, so the Ed, Ed Gain stuff. So. It doesn't really. It doesn't really pull too much from Ed Gain. Uh, it it does pull the um, the body, uh, the the grave robbing, the ghoulishness from Ed Gain, who was a famous grave robber. And um, how much does it pull fa- from Dean Cain? It does not pull from Dean Cain. Um, and he, how he would um, take it. It pulls a little bit from Ed Gein's. Like uh, he would take uh, you know body parts and such and sort of make uh, sculptures and art out of it and but Ed, what Ed Gein did what Ed Gein did was way way worse than anything Leatherface does but um, there's something else here Ed Gein stole his mother's corpse uh, which these guys also did they keep their uh, their mama in the attic yeah she wanted to be close to her husband yeah he's got a lot of life left in him <laughs> That guy's doing good. Uh, we should probably actually run through scenes because I don't have time to edit a three-hour episode. Um, so I also, I also think that while we're talking about the body snatcher stuff, the greatest shot, the greatest shot in this movie, and the most gorgeous thing I think in this movie because it has this sort of beautiful raw quality to it. It very much reminds me of True Detective at times, um, especially shots like this. The opening of the movie is incredible. Oh, that's great! I always forget about it too. It is a weird scene that I – yeah, it's so scary and it's so at odds with the rest of the movie. Like it never specifically comes back to anything that you're seeing except on like the radio. So I think it's very easy for it to get lost in the shuffle, especially after the intensity of the last 40 minutes. But yeah, it is – it's such a good opening followed by the narration in 1969. That's John – that's John Larroquette. Did you know that? Yeah, I did know that. It's, he apparently was paid one joint for the job. And it's one of the most iconic things in horror history is that opening, like, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 
I'm sure there are earlier examples, but this, well, I guess earlier examples, including ones we've done like Haxon. But this this feels like one of the first modern examples of of at least from a big popular movie of the true story that wasn't a true story. Like Fargo does this, other ones as well, where they're like really trying to get you sucked up into the idea of this, this has happened to kind of add to the terror. And I remember, you know, at the time, too. The town that dreaded sundown also does this. I remember people like honestly wondering if it was a snuff film that they had watched. Like it felt so real to them and so uh, gritty that this is one of those movies like Cannibal Holocaust that there was like people at the time of its release that were like, what was this real? But unlike Cannibal Holocaust, this is a good non-terrible movie made by slightly better people. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's a – there is a beautiful like – a raw quality to this that I think belies its talent. And I think that people could easily watch this movie and be like, yeah, there's no way anybody just performed that scared. I'm sure no one had ever at the time, 1974, no one had ever seen a performance quite like Marilyn Burns's as Sally. Yeah. Um, it is. It is intense. I didn't get a chance to. She's read. screaming for like the last thirty minutes, yeah. and she's doing this horrifying scream that's like part laughing, part screaming. Like she can't catch her breath. Yeah, and again, everyone just wants it to be over, understandably, because you're just like, this is, how can this be fake? Like, everything about that dinner feels 100% real. Um, Also, in the opening, so the opening has one of my favorite, one of the most beautiful shots, I think, in horror history, which is this slow zoom out. And that's what reminded me of True Detective, the slow zoom out from this corpse pile tower totem pole thing and it's slowly zooming out and this it's beautifully sun drenched and it really lays out the aesthetic of the movie this sort of like slow beauty wide shots deliberate camera work and no cheapness at all no this is gonna feel you know it might like be like a technically cheap production but it's not gonna be cheap jump scares and cheap kills and throwing tna in for no reason this is going to be an actual art film uh yeah so hold on i got a couple quick things i want to run through uh one i secretly discovered or i didn't secretly i accidentally discovered the best way to watch this movie once which is it has very clear, like, it's very bright and Texasy and and sunny, and then it gets really dark. And one time I accidentally started the movie, like, about the time the sun was going down, but it wasn't, like, sunset yet. It was just that really bright sun. And then about the time it got dark in, like, real life, it was dark in the movie. And that was super spooky. So if you can time that, highly recommend watching the movie that way. Uh, to kind of like realize it had gotten pitch black in the movie and then looking outside and seeing it had gotten pitch black. Very good. One thing I noticed this time that I just loved is that I really like this idea of like Leatherface especially kind of being someone who is just uh, just a little bit of a homebody because <laughs> and like just doesn't understand anything like really has been obviously ill served by his uh, uh, parentage. But to the point that, like, he just doesn't understand basic things because there's that – obviously, when uh, they – when uh, Alice runs into the house, he cuts through the door in, like, this very specific, like, puzzle piece way. But for some reason, I never put it together that when he – Alice gets into the door to the semi, he makes the exact same motions on, like, the metal car door. And I always understood that the, the motions were similar, but this time around, it was like, 
oh, he just sees door and goes, this is how I got through the last door. Like, he doesn't understand that, like, obviously this door is different than the last door that this worked on. And he just, like, is reacting to, like, stimuli. Gunnar Hansen gives a beautiful performance in this, and he really betrays that weird I think I think I feel a weird pity and sympathy for Leatherface in this because he yeah. he is sort of there's an infant like quality and I hope that's not offensive to say because of the fact that he's mentally handicapped like there's a fact that his his emotional and his um you know intellectual growth was stunted both um on one sense through clearly some sort of birth defect um or some sort of you know something that has you know went awry uh in his genetics but also the fact that he was given no there were no resources for him to learn to communicate healthily to control his rage and his fear like he cries out like a baby at times that because it it clearly like doesn't he's scared of these people coming into his house he's not he's not this like malicious joker like villain that he's portrayed in the in a lot of the sequels like that you know can be anywhere and you know do anything he's genuinely like a a frightened a frightened child with a ability to kill and maim that's that's incredible because of his size and and he's not a big he's not like a you know muscle man here He's like a big. No, he's, like, he's overweight. He like kind of can throw his weight at you. But he, but he's so light on his feet. Like people used to say about Chris Farley, the thing that was so amazing about him as a comic and physical performer was was how kind of uh, effortless he seemed when he was moving. Like he he was light on his feet, which for someone of his size was not always the case. Um, he didn't seem to be bumbling. He seemed to be like moving a large body through space. Yeah, and and Leatherface it reminds me of the same thing. Like he moves with kind of like it's stumbling grace and elegance, but still grace and elegance. Like it it feels like he has a lot of command over what he's doing, and that like adds a, a where it add, added comedy to Chris Farley. Uh, it adds a lot of fear. Uh, here that's a good comparison point and it also leads to that balletic quality leads to uh the other the second most beautiful shot in the movie which is the final scene after sally has gotten away scraped bruised traumatized the final girl finally made it out um and he's just angrily swimming swinging that fucking chainsaw around in the sun and it's he's he's kind of drenched in sunlight it's a gorgeous shot so it's funny though because I would actually say that I, my two favorite shots of the movie are different, even though those are both obviously amazing shots. Uh, and the, mine are back to back too, which is yeah. My first favorite shot is when Kirk walks in, obviously, and the uh, Leatherface iconic shot steps out of the door and slams it. Like the way that's kept at a distance is just so gorgeous. Um, it's also notable because, like in most movies. And in this movie so far, Kirk is our, like, protagonist. Like, he's, like, the leading man. Uh, And he gets killed first, which is a really good twist. Um, I don't think it's talked about enough because he's the one that's kind of making decisions and giving ideas. Like, he's your typical – he's handsome for the 70s based on his haircut. But he's – yeah, you're like, this is the guy. And he gets murdered immediately. And then that's followed by the shot of – his girlfriend, Pam, 
walking into the house and it's that low camera angle and it slowly follows her and like at this point now you know what's in this house with the sun like hitting over the house it's just uh, it's gorgeous and those those two shots back to back one like bright and shiny and like slow moving almost like a steady cam even though that's not what it is and then one like at a distance and grimy and out of focus like those are just both filled with uh, complete terror. One of sudden terror and one of um, impending terror are just amazing bookends to start your kind of movie kills with. Let's talk about that first. I agree. Those are those are two of the best shots. Those are two of the other best shots in the movie. But let's talk about the first one. The appearance of the first appearance of Leatherface. That is such a ballsy thing to do to just be like he wide shot of the hallway. It's fairly well lit. And then all of a sudden, Leatherface explodes into the frame and just a door frame. And then we get one quick, you know, close cut of Kirk looking confused. And then it goes back to the wide shot of Leatherface just bashing him in with the hammer. And then that door just, slam. And he like occupies the frame. Leatherface is so big. Uh, Gunnar Hansen was wearing uh, a lifts like like three inches or something lifts and then he slams that door shut and the way that uh the the rest of the crew kind of slowly minus franklin kind of slowly walk down that hallway reminds me of a slaughterhouse feed shoot and the door is definitely the slam shut door is supposed to be uh reminiscent of that as well because um, they often use steel doors to control the flow of cattle and, uh, you know, animals in slaughterhouses. And, yeah, of course. I know that. And that door Very is, slaughterhouse knowledgeable. <laughs> that door is basically so, like, another cow doesn't come into the killing room while you're killing one, which is makes it so much scarier. He's not just closing that door to make a loud metal noise and scare He's you. like, hold on. I got to finish killing him, and then I'm going to focus on the next one. Yes, and then the next one comes in. And it's weird because, like, the, this this is from an era where home invasion movies are starting to take off, especially, like, Last House on the Left in, in the drive-ins. And they come into his feed shoot and yeah. scare him so much that he's like, I have to defend my house. What am I going to do? The only thing he knows how to do because he was never properly educated. He never had therapy. He never had anything to really like help him control his anger or his you know inability to, to be socialized at all is he knows how to kill dismember strip people for parts and he's incredibly powerful yeah it's a really good point that this is a home invasion movie from the victims yeah it's a little home alone yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's exactly home alone actually gunner hansen is uh macaulay culkin kind of like a western and a home alone um <laughs> this movie is a tone piece for sure it's not really focused on plot um it's it's also the 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 what oh the other part of that door slamming that's so good though is it's the first piece of um, non-diegetic music that occurs. All, like the, the That's, I think, the other reason why people thought it was kind of – or some people thought it was a documentary. There's like no – there is like music on the radio and stuff like that. But all the music is taking place in the scene. And it's not till that door slams that uh, – I, I, I use uh, music in air quotes because it's just tones. But that is the first time like since the intro – that like the tones have returned, <laughs> yeah. and it's just kind of that loud like boom, like droning it, 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 noise. It, it, By the way, 
whatever whatever song you heard leading into this is going to be you probably heard it already and you're like what why are they cutting to this so. <laughs> yeah this this movie has uh, this is going to be hard for you to find a song unless you just completely go off the rails um this movie has just no going to be real all songs by uh, little texas <laughs> Yeah, this movie has no real music in it. It's mostly these metallic sounds, Tones. and it sort of conjures the 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 slaughterhouse. Like, there's little yeah. musical mo- like like moments, but they're so subtle that they they sometimes you're like, is that just a sound coming from within the house? I'm assuming the person that made the music for this is just like uh, Jason Siegel's character in Forgetting Sarah Marshall when they go <laughs> when he goes and scores that episode of the Law and Order show, and he just sits and. <laughs> has it playing on the screen and he just holds his finger down on one key um. <laughs> yeah except except for this guy like didn't show up to work for half the sets and they were just like well i guess it's just chainsaw noises for this whole scene thank and you it wasn't a piano it was just like a piano where one key worked <laughs> and uh, apparently shooting this movie was hell um it it, it uh apparently mom- shooting every movie with toby hooper is hell yeah he he'd done like a small movie before this and a tv movie but this is his first true production that like was his to control and he kind of had like the most control over the budget on a production level and is this the is this the fifth toby hooper movie we've done or fourth? life force text it's funny that we did life force and texas chainsaw massacre 2 before this movie um well and we did the fun house and we did fun house uh yeah, so I guess we this is the fourth. There's basically only two I think we'd ever uh do. Poltergeist, Poltergeist, and uh, Invaders from Mars is good. Yeah, because so because it's because Eat Alive sucks, and everything after Texas Chainsaw Massacre two is like not good. Yeah, the the Mangler and Spontaneous Combustion are very much like uh hey you want to watch uh you want to complete your toby hooper list that's that's what yeah. you got to get through i mean we'll definitely do poltergeist at some point i would love Invaders, to do salem's Invaders lot from mars too. is really good what i would love to do salem's lot someday too oh yeah i forgot about that one yeah definitely this is this is like his first movie he never really did anything like this so even when he did toolbox murders which is sort of him running back to the well it had a um it showed off that he had you know traditional production chops this he just kind of put the camera wherever and it always works he does these wide shots these beautiful shots he always knows how to control movement he knows how to control his focus really well and there's a lot of stuff in this movie that might be happy accidents right like well and that's that's what's so crazy is that this is such a gritty realistic like stripped down movie and that you realize that like Almost everything else that Tobey Hooper did after this was immediately, like, throw everything at the wall over the top chaos. Like, this is the movie that everyone thinks of when they think of Tobey Hooper movies, like uh, John Carpenter. But, like, his next movie, Eaten Alive, I remember we both watched it for Spooktober and it was like – and you kind of watch Light Force and you go, man, how did he get from Texas Chainsaw Massacre – to life force and then you watch eating alive and you go oh texas chainsaw massacre is the exception <laughs> yes like, he he immediately was like i'm gonna go fucking nuts <laughs> um, and just do i'm gonna do this thing i'm gonna do this thing and this crazy thing's gonna happen and that's like you know that's that's poltergeist that's texas chainsaw massacre 2 that's life force like that's invaders from mars like this is what he's known for but this is very much atypical to the movies that he made 
Yeah, I, I agree. This is such a unique, singular film. I said earlier, Eyes of My Mother is as close as I think that he ever got, um, or that any anybody has gotten, really, that I've seen that, that gets captures the, the roughness and the wildness while also, uh, you know... <laughs> also being kind of beautiful and people don't talk about that enough about how beautiful this movie is and like i said some of that might be happy accidents um but a lot of it is skill if you get if you get a chance um there's a good uh blu-ray disc that was like it's not a 4k but it was mastered in 4k and it looks gorgeous yeah i still have a a steel book of this movie that i like don't want to get rid of because i'm like it's it's, it's a, it feels appropriate for this movie <laughs> like um actually but, getting one that's like covered in skin seems pretty appropriate <laughs> like, that evil, like those evil dead books that they had a few years ago oh, i remember that i didn't buy that because i already had two copies of evil dead at the time and i was like mm, we're good but uh, so we haven't talked about uh, the dinner scene, the faded dinner scene, one of the most famous scenes. Yeah, we did. We talked about all the screaming and all the stuff. Okay, well, then we, we talked about wrap the up. We talked about the fact that the fucking lamp in it is it has a human face on it, and the fact that the dad... let's just let's just do a quick thing on the production design. This movie looks like, for some reason. It looks both like it was – I think capturing the like abandonment of a place but without making it look overproduced is really hard. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think he never – I'm assuming that, this is a house they found and they're like either add more carcasses or less or take out some <laughs> – Depending on the condition of the house, um, <laughs> too many carcasses, and there's there's so many there's so many taxidermy animals, taxidermy people. There's a woman's faces on the on the lamp, and it's just yeah. like in the center of the shot, and like you can't help but notice it. But also, it's so bright that like you're not really looking there. Yeah, I and I kind of like the idea that like that is like the epicenter, like the the Sawyer's house is almost like the uh, epicenter, the eye or. Where where all the decay and trash gathers, the rest of this movie is filled with all these hints of decay that get more and more severe as they get closer to the Sawyer's house. So, like, you know, the movie starts with, like, the roadkill. And then as they get to the house next to the Sawyer's, there's, like, spiders and bones and a tooth. But, like, and then by the time you get to the Sawyer's house, it's, like, overrun with that. So, I love the idea of, like... The area around the Sawyer's house for miles is almost like the edges of a black hole with uh, with uh, their house being the uh, – whatever that center thing is in the black hole. The uh, – what's it called? The, the, the blacker hole. No, what's the, the event horizon? Oh, there we go. Yeah, there you go. Which we'll also be doing on the show. Um, yes, you're right. There's a sort of uh, there's there's a there's a hell center to this, and the fact that she can't really escape it, and she gets sucked into it, kind of makes it more black holy too, right? Like yeah. And then she finally gets out. It feels like it was a, it's a genuine. She gets sucked relief. back in. It, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a genuine sense of relief when this movie is over. That like I don't like I don't think you get from most of these movies, especially. It's funny, like, yeah, like, yeah, you want Sally to live. You want all of them to live. But I don't really like any of them. They're all kind of miserable. Um, none of them are really that charming. You don't really get a good sense of who everyone is, except for Franklin. Who's the worst? Who's kind of, yeah, he's pretty annoying. But also, they treat him shitty. And you're not sure if it's a chicken or the egg situation. Like, did they treat him crappy? Because eventually, it's just like, well, it's Franklin. You got to stand up for yourself. Or just yeah. is Franklin shitty because everyone treats him like he's a burden because he's in a wheelchair? Like, what? 
which one came first? You have to wonder, right? Now you can get the sense that people aren't really happy to be in the thing with when when the movie it feels starts. like no one's happy to be there. Yes, like, no. This is you're right because it's not a fun adventure. They're like, we gotta find my grandpa's house so we can find the graves, and then I don't know what our next step is on this plan. <laughs> um, call the cops. You already know about it. <laughs> Hunt down the grave. Like what? They don't have a great plan. Yeah, it's just kind of like, eh, well, I guess the grape cuts gets stolen. So, we need to wrap up. This movie is good. I think you should see it. Yeah, this movie is uh, a, 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 a true experience. It, it's hard to put into um, any quantifiable terms why this is different than other horror movies. But I have to say that like the final 40 minutes or so of this makes you hold your breath the entire time. I think that there's very few horror movies that can be this atten- intense, especially without using cheap tricks and jump scares. And or gore. Rape and said, yeah. Sorry, what? Or gore. Oh, yeah. Or gore. Um, and it, it's very much about like a, a psychological attack on your person. Like a movie with Chainsaw in the title, you don't expect to be a psychological thriller. It is. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's intense. And, you know, when, when I walked out of the theater, there were people that like didn't like it. And, you know, everything that they were saying about not liking it was based on the fact that like it was too intense. Like the people that like it and the people that dislike it get the same things out of it like (laughs) you know which is which is rare like no one walked out of that theater going what a stupid movie it was like that movie's not for me and that's understandable uh it's it is it is not fun uh especially if for some reason you saw two first you're gonna be in for a rude awakening when you go back to the first one if you're not aware um but it is it is just an intense experience, and it really is like a template movie. Like we've we talked uh, about like Dawn of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, Halloween, some of these these movies that we've done on their show that like kind of revolutionized the horror genre as a whole. And it's kind of nice that we you know we we we're starting this month with this, and we finished out Halloween because those two are you know they're they're uh, four years apart, and they're kind of like simpatico of the movies that are still being created now like you don't need to have a movie about a crazy redneck family to understand that there's a realism that texas chainsaw uh, massacre has brought to the horror genre because it really like that night of the living dead especially because it was coming like peter to to wrap up the wrap up like we we just we watched a lot of 50s and 40s and 30s horror movies and like they're not realistic. They had a different yeah. sense of what horror was. And like those types of movies kind of brought horror down to, hey, you know what's scarier than the Wolfman? Uh, a guy with a knife that wants to stab you a lot. Uh, maybe <laughs> that's dragged, relatable. Yeah. yeah, This dragged horror, I think, into the new generation. Kicking yeah. and screaming. And then, and then Halloween would give it uh, a little bit more fuel for the fire. It's great. I, I, I'm assuming if you're listening that you've you've seen this. If not, I highly recommend it. And if you do get a chance to try the like day to night transition with the windows wide open, it really adds a fun, fun kind of uh, I don't know 3D, 4D, real life experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You think I could market that? What do you, what, what would you market that under? Like lights go down. <laughs> Uh, what D? What D is lights specifically? Is that three D? Lights. Um, 
three. I think they're three dimensional because light moves out in all directions. Nailed it. Yeah, three D, three D movie. Mm-hmm. Peter, what do you have to promote? Uh, <laughs> um, um, actually, I will mention this. Stay tuned on this feed sometime this month. Um, we uh, Peter and I have actually started a uh, kind of a limited series podcast that will uh, will release a couple episodes in November and then one a month from here on out where Peter and I are going through the Star Trek movies from the from the motion picture to Star Trek Beyond. Uh, Peter has never seen any of the original Star Trek movies. He has only seen the uh, 2009 entry and uh, Into Darkness. I have been obsessed with Star Trek. And as we found out uh, on our intro episode that will come out first, where we kind of recap where we're at with the genre, uh, Peter has never seen an episode of Star Trek and was more unfamiliar with something that I thought was universal than I thought. So we've recorded a couple episodes. We wanted to wait till we got past Spooktober. Uh, but we'll release the intro and the motion picture episode sometime this month on this very feed. We hope you listen to it. It's called Start Track. Uh, the first two episodes are a lot of fun. And then we're going to have one a month uh, going forward. So, yeah, Peter, we do have something to promote. Yeah, we do. We always have something weird on the side going on, and it's easy to forget. We also, yeah, we have we have another How Dare You coming up. Two How Dare Yous we've, we've recorded. Um, when are those coming up? Yeah, whatever. Whenever um, like when we need them. They'll be there when we need them. We'll leave the light on for you like State Farm Insurance. Uh, <laughs> Peter, uh, what else we got coming uh, on another promotion? What else we got coming up for the rest of the family that eats together month? We've got Raw with Joey Lee next week. Following that, we've got a little movie called Blood Diner with just... Nope. Is Blood Diner last? Yeah. Uh, then we've got Spider Baby uh, with Aaron and I, uh, which is just as loopy as this episode, baby. Um, and this then one's we- pretty. I mean, this will clean up in the edit, but just know, you guys, this was a real mess. <laughs> uh, this is the real massacre. And uh, we're going to end the month with Blood Diner, which is uh, in its own way as insane as Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, that's a movie that if we... If we're a mess, we cannot be as crazy as the movie. (laughs) We are trying to meet the movie on its own terms, and we will fail no matter how loopy we are. Uh, But it's great. Yeah, so uh, join us for those movies about family eating other people for for your November cheer. For your spooky cheer. Also for your November fear. Ooh, still spooky. <laughs> still spooky. Every everything we do is kind still of spooky. Still spooky after all these years, which is a joke we've probably made on five episodes. <laughs> <laughs> As we say down in the old slaughterhouse, we'll see you on an an utter episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think we better move on with this episode. (laughs) Yeah, let's take the bull by the horns and get out of here. (laughs) Uh, Chickens. Good night. Eggs. Party people. Goes a little 
something like this. Tag team, back again. Check it, direct it, let's begin. Party on, party people, let me hear some noise. DC's in the house, jump, jump, rejoices. There's a party over here, a party over there. Wave your hands in the air, shake the dairy, yeah. These three words mean you're getting busy. Whoa, that is Hitman. Hey folks, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we've got just a few quick announcements for you. There ain't nothing in the rule book that says that we can't do some of our own plugs, baby. If you'd like to talk to us, uh, tell us we're stupid, tell us we're beautiful. The quickest way to get to us is our Facebook group, facebook.com slash we love to watch, or our website, wltwpodcast.com. Leave us a comment. Tell us we're doing a good job. Only tell us we're doing a good job. We're so sensitive. We're sensitive boys. We're soft boys. And uh, if you'd like to help other people, if you enjoy our show and want other people to be able to listen to this fine, fine program that we produce at no cost, we don't get any money for this. You guys have yet to pay us anything. We live and we breathe off of good reviews from iTunes. So if you would please go to iTunes, review our show, give us a positive rating. We would love to get more and more people involved in this show and this community. I know you hear it all the time, but it really does help. And we're also available if you don't use iTunes. We're also available on Google Music, Stitcher, Tune in. We're currently on SoundCloud. We'll take that out if SoundCloud goes away. (laughs) That's it. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned, guys, on our Facebook page especially. We're going to have a lot more polls, a lot more prizes, and a lot more uh, interaction with you guys. So keep it tuned in. Uh, Let us know what you guys are thinking. And again, above all else, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch.